this time to, to fellowship with one another, with the body. Amen. I, uh, I, just, I asked a couple of men if they would share some, something that they received from men's conference last week. We had a, a very good time, a, a, a wonderful group of men that gathered um, between all the different day and night sessions. I know from, from Union Gap, I believe it was a total of 12 men that we had from, from the Union Gap congregation. And then combined with all of our other Life Church congregations, we had over 50 men. And uh, I believe I heard at one point there was a number such as 270. I know they had a record um, attendance for men's conference, and so it was wonderful. It was a great time, and I'm thankful for everybody that made the effort to get out there and, and spend some time with that. Ladies, your conference is in May, so uh, be ready when your name is called. And uh, I know it's going to be just as wonderful. I, even some of the men that I talked to there, they said, my wife needs to go to ladies' conference. I, I'm hoping that she will go. I know, or I know she is planning to go, and I know that she wants to go. Um, I want to say this as I, as I invite these men to speak. Um, we don't guilt people into going to something like this. All right? Any time there's a conference, the takeaway from the conference really should not be, I wish you were there. So-and-so should have gone. This would have been, it was a great conference, but it would have been even better if so-and-so was here. Or you missed out, you know. That, I know sometimes that's in, maybe in, in the back of our mind somewhere, but uh, we don't guilt people into going to any of these things. We, it, it needs to be an individual's desire to be there and when that's the case the Lord can do awesome and wonderful things just like he did last week so again I'm so thankful for all of the men that that drove up or those that went and stayed and just made the time to go there um, I did ask like I said a couple of men brother Matthew I'm going to ask him um, if he would come and just share something that he received uh, from the Lord and then after that we're going to hear from brother Dean and then brother Joey brother Hart so God bless everybody. Glad to be here. Uh, men's conference. Wow. Um, you know, those type of events or conferences as elders speak, and we don't want to guilt anybody. And I don't mean it by when I say this, but if you missed it, you missed it. That's the only type of revelation you receive from events like this. You only receive that type of connection and experience with God when you attend these type of conferences, you know, especially with other men of God who are trying to do the same thing as you and get closer to him. But what blessed me there, what I took away with, um, you know, the first night, he, well, not the first night, but the first night I was there, I drove up Friday night. Um, well, with Tim, he drove. Thank God I made it, right? Um, that Friday night that he preached, he preached a message, and it was to me, right? Like Alder was saying, sometimes we say in the back of our minds, so-and-so needed to hear it, so-and-so. And, and if we can be honest, the whole church needs to hear it, right? I mean, we can go down the line and point fingers. It doesn't mean really much. I don't go there so I can hear what other people need to hear. I go there because what I need to hear. That's why I attend 
But what I received from there and what really brought me to not just a true place of repentance, but it gave me a revelation on too many times do we hold our leaders, our elders, our bishops, those that are above us, we hold them sometimes to unrealistic standards. And sometimes we forget that they're human themselves. And as he was preaching this message, let me tell you, there was a few men that were crossing my mind that have hurt me over the years or that have made questionable decisions or that have, in my mind, didn't do what I thought they should have done. Of course, I don't decide what they get to do. I'm not the Lord. But sometimes us as believers, as Christians, we like to put our place next to him or above him and say, well, he should have done this. He should have done that. This is what he should have done. This is what he needs to be teaching. This is what he needs to be doing. He needs to go to this person and say, somewhere I have to let go of that. Somewhere I have to understand this is the man that God ordained to be the head of my spiritual life, to be my spiritual father, shepherd. And instead of always looking for reasons to nitpick, maybe I should just lift him up in prayer. Maybe I should get to the place where I forgive those things and stop looking at the pulpit, stop looking at the compromise of the congregation and just keep my eyes on Jesus and let him do the work. That's all that we're here to do. We can, we can preach a lot of things. And let me tell you, I agree with every single one of them that's being preached here in this church. Matter of fact, I had a conversation last night about doctrine and, and, and other different aspects of the word of God. Believe it wholeheartedly. But that doesn't mean that, that we're not imperfect. So what I took from that is I had to let go of a lot of things that prior pastors of mine, leaders of mine hurt me with. Because when I let that go, it's as Brother Sibley preached, ministry could take off so if there's anything I can take away from and hopefully it blesses you all to let go of some of the things that may have hurt you and allow God to take you to places where he wants you to go but I'm glad I'm glad I attended I'm glad we had fellowship with the brethren and I'm looking forward to many more God bless you praise God amen amen Brother Dean, God bless Brother Dean. Good evening, everyone. It's really good to be here. You know, um, I was just thinking when Brother Matt was saying that the preaching here is incredible. That's putting it mildly. In my, um, I was raised in a Christian home. My dad was a minister brought up in a Trinitarian Pentecostal church. And uh, so a lot of the same standards and a lot of the same things as this church has, but I was never fed like I have been here. And Elder Flowers, um, I have to say, uh, you feed me all the time, and I appreciate that. Elder Hart, you too, Bishop. It's just been 
an incredible thing to be able to go to this conference. I've been to many conferences over the years, being raised in a minister's home. I sometimes had to go, even when I didn't want to when I was a kid. But I chose to, and when I did go, I got something out of them. But I have to say that this conference that I went to this past weekend was the best conference I have ever been to in my life. And that's, um, that's really saying something, because I've been to a lot of them. But I, I felt like, just like Brother Matt said, that every one of those sermons was geared toward me this weekend. I was telling my wife <laughs> that it's just like this weekend was made for me. I needed to go to hear everything that I heard this weekend. Um, Pastor Sibley seemed to have the right message for every meeting. And I know uh, the one that touched me the most was Friday night, same as Brother Matt. Um, I had an experience with the Holy Spirit on Friday night that I haven't had in a long time. I was, I just kind of forgot about everybody else. There was all kinds of praising and thanking God going on around. This was after the sermon. And uh, I just raised my hands and I pointed my head to heaven, closed my eyes and just started praising God. And I felt the spirit come down in my heart and just fill me. And I spoke in tongues for over an hour. And that never had that happen like that before. My first time I received the Holy Ghost, I was a teenager, and I'm almost 60 now, so that was a long time ago. But the way I got it on Friday night was the best I've ever received it. And I have to say that that's probably the best thing that's happened to me in a long time, to feel the Spirit of God come down in such a way that nothing else matters. And when I was praying, I didn't even want to go home. I didn't think about anything else. I just wanted to stay there and just enjoy the Spirit of God. And when you can feel that presence of God in your life, there's nothing like it. And you'll never find anything else like it in this world. But there's something else that happened that night. I never told anybody that our old church that I went to there was a couple of ministers that said some things to me that hurt me very badly. And I'm not bitter against them. I've never been hateful, hateful toward them or anything. It's just stuff that they said. I've been carrying that hurt around with me for six years, something like that. And uh, that sermon, um, Brother Sibley said that if the hurt's there, God can take it away from you tonight. That's what he said. And as I was praying, Elder Flowers came up and he says, Dean, he says, there's something that, I, that I've been need, feeling that I need to pray with you about. He says, I feel like it's something in your past that has something to do with your old church. I didn't tell him that. So obviously, the Spirit of God was showing him what to do. But he came and he prayed with me and we prayed that through. I was telling my wife, I haven't, haven't felt this free in a long time. 
because the Spirit of God was able to help me get past that hurt. And now, when I think about them, and I think about our old church, it's not a hurt anymore because God has filled that hurt with something better. I don't want to take too much time here, but I just know that all this meeting, all those meetings touched my heart this weekend like never before. And I feel like God has um, um, accepted me. I guess you might say, say that when you make a complete dedication to God and he accepts you. It's a thing that we long for as a Christian. That's what we want. We want to be accepted of God. We accept him, but we have to be accepted of him as well. And I felt like he did that for me this past weekend. And thank you. Amen. I definitely uh, feel the same as these brothers. Probably can't express it as well as they just did, so I won't try. Um, but something that really stood out to me that, that I think as we hear these testimonies, the significance of is, is seen, and I'm sure there's probably a couple hundred more testimonies from that, uh, especially Friday night. It was just such a powerful service dealing with healing, as you've heard little bits of. Um, and I, I just looked it up right now, actually, on the Washington website, and that message is, it is on there. Um, so for the men, if you want to <laughs> revisit that, I, I know I'm probably going to go revisit and re-listen to that message. But what's amazing is there was actually another speaker that um, in conference lingo, he was the uh, main speaker <laughs> on, the, on the poster. You know, he was kind of the kind of the name, um, which thankfully we don't go for, for that. We just go to hear the Lord minister through whoever he will. And, uh, you know, we never wish ill or anything on anyone, but I believe the Lord had his way and that, that that minister, I think someone mentioned that he, he was sick or um, there was some reason that was, um, but he essentially called in <laughs> uh, to that meeting the night before um, he was supposed to fly out. And so Brother Sibley, when he got picked up from the airport, and Brother Sibley's from Texas, so when he got picked up from the airport, the, um, the man who puts on the conference, kind of led the conference, he, he said, hey, by the way, you're actually, and, and keep in mind, Brother Sibley was also going to be leading worship for the entire thing, too. He said, hey, by the way, on top of leading worship for every single service, you're actually going to preach every service now, too. <laughs> And uh, but what's really cool, just the way that the Lord works is brother, brother Sibley pulled out his phone and on his phone, he said he had three sets of notes and he said the Lord had been dealing with him in, in these three different areas because originally he was only supposed to preach one service. And he said the Lord hadn't narrowed it down yet for him to the one message that he felt like he was supposed to preach. So he had these three sets of notes. And wouldn't you know, just the way God works, he ended up preaching those three services, um, and I assumed preaching those three messages that he had uh, prepared from the Lord. And so just me, I, I mean, I took away a lot from that message as well, but the significance of that detail uh, really stood out to me in that no matter, no matter what our plan is and no matter what things might look like, 
uh, on the schedule. God's going to have his way if we let him, and we don't, have to, we don't have to fret. We don't have to fear when things look like they get flipped upside down um, because God can let someone know a week, a month in advance what his, what's really going to happen, and, and then his, his will and way can take place. And, and then we end up with testimonies like these and where we realize that, okay, this was a word from the Lord for this week, for that night, um, and I'm so thankful that God's be there, be a part of it. Amen. 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 Praise God. If you turn to Psalms chapter 51, uh, I want to share something that the Lord started to speak with me about there at Men's Conference in one of the sessions. Um, I, w I also wanted to say, um, so there was Friday afternoon that um, we kind of had a break from the conference schedule and a few of the different men rented some Airbnbs and we went to one of the houses there and, and um, we probably had over 40 men, I believe, that were there for just from most, mostly from our Life Church congregations. And um, that was also a rich time of ministry. Um, we got to hear a little bit from, from Bishop Schoonover and, and some of the other um, leadership of Life Church spoke some things that, um, if anything was hitting home all week, that was hitting home. Um, as well, because the Lord was, it's almost funny to me now to think of it, we were in a house, and, and the Lord was dealing with our home situations as much as anything um, to us men as heads of our home, and who to, I guess the old saying is, the buck stops here, right? It's like every, every man that was there uh, was hearing that the buck stops here. It stops with you. You're the head of your home. You're the spiritual leader of your home. Um, and, and just some wonderful things. I couldn't even try to uh, recount all that was said there. But um, the beautiful thing about the Lord is just that you don't know when and where those, those reserved moments are going to happen. All you can try to do is do your part to be there and listen uh, when they do happen. I, I'm thankful. It, honestly, it just makes me thankful that um, week in and week out, we get to experience the ministry of the Spirit of God. Um, I say it that way intentionally, the ministry of His Spirit. It's not about a man. It's not about a group of men or anything like that. Um, it's not about an environment that we can produce and say, well, as long as we get that production down, then things are going to go well. No, if we, I think we know, and the Lord is just showing us consistently how, how much he wants to minister to us. I guess I can put it that way. As much as we desire to hear from him, as much as we desire to fellowship with him and to know him, I guarantee you he desires exponentially more to speak to you. 
I mean, I, I, I've seen some, <laughs> I've seen some, some times at some conferences where you, it's almost like you, you can't help but watch a certain person or a certain individual. Oftentimes they're down front and center. And uh, they, they seem to be the one that's happiest to be there. The one that's happiest to hear the preacher or the one that's most grateful for the time of worship or whatever it is. And oftentimes, I even tried to express this to some of our men, oftentimes your eyes are drawn to that. And if you're not careful to you, it can become a distraction. I'm not saying anything about what those men's doing right or wrong. I'm saying to you, it can become a distraction. And you've got to realize, no, I'm here for me, like Brother Mays was saying. I'm here for me, and I'm here for what God wants to do for me and speak for me. Now, again, I'm thankful that through the Lord's leading, we are able to enter in to, to, to settings like that and ministry like that on a frequent basis. I don't ever want to take that for granted um, to know that at any moment the Lord can do anything. I hope that's the case here. I believe that it is. I've seen some places that I don't necessarily believe that it is in those places. At any moment, the Lord can do anything. You say that, and uh, whoo, you better be ready to back it up and not spectate. There's a difference in the Lord can show me anything at any time. And the Lord can do anything any time because that requires me. If he can do anything, that means he can even get me up out of my seat and move me over to here or, or make me do this and have me do that. I, I want that to be my environment. I want that to be our environment. At any time, the Lord can... Now, the, the scripture says, let all things be done decently and in order. That's at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And... To really gain the context and understanding of that, it would behoove you to read the entire chapter and know Paul, the apostle, is dealing with the Corinthian church and telling them, when you come together, make sure that things are beneficial. Make sure that things that happen are good for the body, not bad for the body, not a distraction for the body. But I think we can get very extreme with our own, uh, I wouldn't even say interpretation, with our own representation of that verse and say, okay, all things done decently in order. That means my job is to get here and sit down and, and do as I'm told until, uh, until it's time to go. And then I'll get dismissed and then I'll get up and I'll go and I'll say I, it was decent and in order, and, and that person over there, they, man, they got out of line because they were doing stuff they weren't asked to do and, or invited. They just took it upon themselves to do this or that. Well, the beautiful thing is decent and in order is under the authority, the spiritual authority of, of that time, of that moment. The spiritual authority decides that's a little out of order. Or, no, that's perfectly in order. Not only that, it's encouraged and we want to see more of it. You, 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 you can't be so 
conserved, what's the word, reserved. You can't be so reserved in your mentality and in your your posturing and in your uh, mindset that you've said, I only do this at church. Or I'm going to make sure I don't do this when I come together with the men and women of God. I guarantee, uh, I'm, I've, just, I've been around long enough to know the, the longer the list that you build of what your role is and is not, the more lines, more, the more bullet lines you are giving God to, uh, to deal with and say, I know that they said they weren't ever going to do this. Let's really test them. I know that they mentioned they weren't ever going to. Sometimes it's when we observe somebody else and we say, oh, whew. Or maybe we're encouraged by it and blessed and say, that's great when they do it. It even blesses me when they do it. But that's sure not for me. That's not my role. That's not my personality. That's not my whatever. I'm just saying the scripture says, let all things be done decently in order and all things includes praising the Lord, sometimes getting beside yourself in praising the Lord. If it's all things, I mean, it can't be all just all the quiet reserved things, right? It can't be just the nice, polite prayers. I'm glad I'm here. Thank the Lord. And uh, now I lay me down to sleep. That, that, that's, that's a thing, but that's not all things because there's other kinds of prayers that I know the Lord would want to pray through people. And where's the room for those things? Paul, Paul goes through 1 Corinthians 14 and he's, he's really dealing with the subject of when it is beneficial and when it is not to speak in tongues versus speaking in the known tongue, the, the language, the known language of that place. And so that's when he says, let all, he says, when you come together, it's not going to be beneficial if from the time you walk into the place to the time you walk out, the only thing you do is pray in tongues. That's not decent in an order because this one might be praying over here and getting blessed by the Lord. And this one over here could be praying and, and the Lord's interceding and travailing through them. And, and that, that could be very right and good for those two people. But you introduce a third party there. God forbid you introduce a new person there. And they're going to think, what did I walk into? And if there's no understanding, everybody say understanding. If there's no understanding given, it's of no profit to the body. Amen. That was not Psalms chapter 51. Psalm chapter 51, verse 6. There was a, there was a day session, Friday um, day, at the men's conference that uh, Brother Surstad spoke at, and he dealt with this verse. And um, I would say I got a visual at men's conference. I'm not saying I got a vision, though if you wanted to, nail me down and say, what's the difference? I don't know if I could tell you the difference. Visual sounds a little less spiritual to me, I guess, is the way I'd put it. Uh, But I got a visual through some of the things that he ministered 
from this passage. So let me just read the verse quickly, Psalm 51, verse 6. It says, Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts. Everybody say the inward parts. Thou desirest truth in the, inward, in the inner man. You want truth in here, in the inward parts. You don't just want outward expression. You don't want outward uh, words of confession. You desire truth in the inward part. And I would dare say you know when it's there and when it's not. I think the Lord's smart enough to know when we are being truthful and when we are not. In fact, his, his uh, session was titled that day, Liar, Liar, Pants on Fire. And he was telling us the, the importance, the, how critical it is to be honest with ourselves. With me. I've got to be honest with me. I can tell you one thing all day long, but if it's not the truth, I'm not being honest. So he says, you desire truth in the inward parts. And I'll just, I want to read you the, the, the note that I felt the Lord had me. All right. Some of this was, uh, was some of the things he said, and then I could only write so fast until I had to fill in the blanks with the Holy Ghost. But so he said, if we aren't totally open and honest, we will put doors up to separate rooms. We're talking about the inward man. And by, if I'm not honest, I'll put a, a door or a wall up on the inward part. And we deceive ourselves that we can open and close those doors at will. It's deception. The heart says, the, the scripture says the heart is deceitfully wicked. Above all things, who can know it? Don't listen to your heart. Don't listen to your inner voice. This is not Pinocchio. And the moment you start to listen to this and this, you're setting yourself up for some real danger. Because this is the one that is deceitfully wicked. We talked a little bit on Sunday, didn't we, about wicked, wicked men in Sodom and Gomorrah. And it says they were exceedingly wicked, sinful people there. Well, that all comes from in here. And the scripture, when it says that the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things... It's not just talking about, well, the heart of those evil sinners that live in terrible places. Uh-uh. It's a universal thing. It's a, it's a truth. It's a principle. Anybody that's got a heart, does anybody here not have a heart? If so, we probably need to go pray for you real quick. No, I think we all have a heart. And so we all have deceitful wickedness, at least the potential to be open to it, if I'm listening to that. If I'm following that, uh, how often, especially if you want to look over the course of many years, many, many decades even, or a lifetime, how often is that life faced with 
crucial decisions and we have to say, well, how do you feel about it? What do you think is right? Which one do you feel like is the right thing to do? And just listen to your heart and do what you think is right. Mm, that's, that's, again, it's dangerous. It's setting yourself up for failure, for disappointment, for all kinds of stuff you don't want to go to. So again, he says, we deceive ourselves if we're not honest with ourselves and say we can put up, uh, I, I got this closet over here, and then I got this closet over here, and I got this room over here. And the problem is, because of enough time, and uh, uh, because of as many times as we have slipped from one to the other, and closed that door behind us, and wow, it actually worked. I was able to close that door. I was able to move from this part of me to this part of me. This inward man to this inward man. And now I can dwell over here for a little bit, living like so. And then I know sooner or later it's going to be time to leave this room and get back over there. I'm talking about on the inward man. So, I, so I've got myself convinced I can spend time over here living like this, speaking like this, doing these things, and then, oh, I know. I know it's not right, and I probably shouldn't be doing it, but I know where the door is, and I can just leave here and go there whenever I feel like I really need to. We deceive ourselves. One scripture says, if a man says that he has no sin... He deceives himself. That's the inward man talking. I, I, I feel like I'm okay. I feel like I'm good. I know I did some sin, but I prayed and I got baptized in the name of Jesus. And I, the preacher said, my sins are washed away. I've got a new conscience. I've got a new me. And uh, that was, dare I say... That was easy. It feels easy because it's supernatural. And we don't really understand the supernatural that well. We don't really live in the, in the supernatural on a daily and an ongoing basis. So when something supernatural happens to me, I just accept it and receive it by faith. And if I had a button here, I'd push it. That was easy. In fact, it was so easy and it worked so well that I bet it would work again if it had to. This is the inward man talking to the inward man and saying, I got that button there ready to push, my repentance button, and... Uh, I'm just, you know what, I probably can even pick that up and take it with me into this other room that I have, this other part of me that I have. And when I have done what I need to do and I know that I need to repent, push the button, repentance button. That was easy. Oh, thank God. And you do that enough times, you do that with enough consistency, you're really building a pattern 
in your life. And then you're not being honest with yourself about it. Deceiving yourself into thinking, I can do this and I can repent of it and we'll be good. And I, I, oh, I know, I, you know what, I just, I felt like I haven't spent enough time in, in, the, in the other room yet, the, the godly room of my heart. So let's just go spend a few days in there in the godly room. And oh man, this is great, this is wonderful. But I still know where the door is that leads out of that room. I told you I got a visual, right? This is, this is the visual that I'm seeing. It's almost like you look at an overview of your inward man and you see a floor plan and you think, well, I know what goes on over there and I know what goes on over here and that's that part of me and this is this part of me. And I go from room to room and I think, well, as long as I can run back here and pray, as long as I can get back over there to that room. What? I just dare I ask. What would happen if I go back into that room one time and it's locked? What am I going to do now? I'm going to have to tear it down. I'm going to have to find my way in there. Now, the scripture says no man knows the day or the hour when the Son of Man cometh. And more importantly, we don't know when he comes for us, for you or for me. Let, I don't even know. I don't, I don't even need to know what day is going to be the last day for the world. And what's he going to take all this group through and into this tribulation or this trial or this perilous time? Or, oh man, what's it going to look? I don't even. Trust me, those days are coming. But much more swiftly is the time of my life passing here on earth. And your life. That, you don't know the day or the hour of that for sure. I've, I told somebody, hang with me, I'm going to try to get somewhere. I told some men at men's conference, they asked how old I was. I said, I'm 36. And that was the truth. There's no, there's no punchline there. That was the truth. Uh, so I'm 36 years old, and I'm finally starting to feel like I'm getting older. Because I said, well, in my early 30s, I felt like I was in my late 20s. And in my late 20s, I felt like I was in my early 20s. And in my early 20s, I felt like I was in my teens. But now I'm not close to any of those. I'm past all of it now. And I'm getting a lot closer to whatever's after that. And I'm, I, I'm seeing time differently now. One of, the, one of the things that happened last year, and you probably know it well, I, I, I lost who was my best childhood friend growing up. And uh, I made it to 36, and he didn't. And that and many other things will cause a person to reflect and say, if he only had 35 years, what makes me think I have 38 years? Or 44 years. Or 61 years. I don't know. I'm not in control of that. 
Not at all. So I definitely need to look at the inward man and say, is this all right? Is this all correct? Do I have the, am, am I spending time in the right place in the inward man? He says, thou desirest truth in the inward parts. Remember, this is written, David wrote this after he was confronted about the sinful life that he had been living. And he had been living this sinful life on the inward parts. It was the inward man of David that decided, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and I want this, and I want that. And, and, and he got a certain distance into the course of that life when the Lord sent a prophet and said, you can't keep doing this. You're gonna, you know you're going to have to... Let me just point out to you, David, who you are becoming by thinking that you can go into the king's courts and live as that way, as who God made you to be, and then slip out of that into this other persona and do what the Lord did not call you to do. And then feel like, okay, well, it's time to go do some more kingly duties. Let's go do that. No longer. It can't keep going. So this is part of the prayer that David is praying in response to that. He's saying, Lord, I know you. I know you. And more importantly, I know what you desire. I know who you want me to be. And I contrast that with who I have been. And I don't see the same things. You desire truth on the inward part. Amen. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Picture again, if you would, that visual of your, your inner man as the as the floor plan, and you got areas of your life. And read this verse, Revelation 3, verse 20. Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. I don't want to put Jesus through a maze in my life to think, Oh, I just got to follow Caleb, and he's going to go this way for a while, and he's going to go this way, and he's going to go lock himself in that room for a while and he's going to come spend time over here and I don't, I'm just going to follow him and it's me. How long are you going to stay in there? This is the visual that the Lord gives. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. What does a door represent? A door represents Separation. Whatever's taking place on this side of the door is separate from whatever's on this side of the door. So when God uses that visual of himself outside of a door, it ought to cause us to reflect and say, what's going on on the other side of the door? But here... The Lord, when he knocks, I don't know, picture if you would, like a, 
what do they call that thing, the gauntlet, the magic glove thing. I'm just I'm talking about visuals. When the Lord knocks on your door, on the door of your life, on the door of your heart, you could, you could turn the music up a little up. I don't want to hear that right now. Let's drown this out. Let's go over and turn this fan on extra high. And let's turn that volume up. And let's get some more things going. Because I, I know he's out there knocking, but I'm not ready to answer the door yet. And I just need to, I need to fill this room with other things, with volume, with distractions. So I don't have to be responsible for who's at the door. This is what he said. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice. What do you do when somebody's at the door? I mean, unless you've got a window or the little hole or whatever. What do you, somebody's knocking, what do you see? Who is it? Kids, you better not say, come on in. You say, who is it? What are you doing here? What do you want? So he gives the visual. I'm at the door knocking. And then he says, if any man hears my voice and opens the door, who's opening the door? If any man hears my voice and opens the door, who's opening the door? We are. I'm just, the Lord's just knocking. I'm going to stay out here and knock as long as I have to. And I'm giving you the choice, the decision. Will you hear my voice? Will you open the door? Some of us picture God as a SWAT team. When are you going to open that door? It's me. It's God. Uh, if he wants me bad enough, he'll get in here. No. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him. I will sup with him and he with me. I ha he has a desire to, to get into the inner man of each one of us. And that is, that's universal. That's not because you happen to be at a Bible study on a Tuesday night. This is every man. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If the well-put-together Christians would just open the door. No. If the ones that are praying 25 hours a day will just open the door. Uh-uh. If any man. Everybody say, any man. I'm knocking. I said this Sunday, the Lord is seeking for worshipers. I'm knocking and I'm knocking and I'm waiting for any man. Male or female. I'm waiting to see if anybody's going to open the door. Here's the other thing. Get, stay with this visual for a moment. The Lord's knocking. You hear his voice. Who is it? It's me, Jesus. Open the door. 
All right, you go in there and you do whatever you want to do. I'll be back in about 10 minutes. Just clean up in there a little bit, would you? You, you're, you, you just do, nuh-uh, <laughs> nope. The invitation is you open the door and I will come in with you. I will walk with you. I will sit down with you. I will fellowship with you. I will tell you things. We'll speak. We'll converse. We will have communion one with another. And you're going to hear my voice. You're going to know my words. He's not your SWAT team and he's not your maid. No, we think open the door wide and you just get on in here, come into my life, and uh, brooms over there, vacuums over here, clean up whatever you got to clean up, and I'll just be so much better when you're done. <laughs> Is that really the way you want to approach a relationship with God? Clean me up. Do my dirty work for me. Mm -mm. I will come in and fellowship with him. That's what I want. Hear my voice. Open the door. One more verse, James chapter 1, verse 8. I mentioned the door. Everybody say the door. The door separates what's on the inside from what's on the outside. And I'm going to remind you as you're turning there, this, the, the, the message, the, the, the thing that, that Brother Surstad said, it, if we're not honest with ourselves, We'll deceive ourselves into thinking we have rooms that we can go into. Here a while, there a while. Everybody say honest. This scripture, James 1 verse 8 says, A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Double-minded is the person that thinks I can spend time in this room when I'm done, go shut the door, go down the hallway, turn left, and go into this room on the inner man. Spend a little time here. Spend a little time doing that. Thinking all along, no, I, I know it's not right, but I know I'll get right. That is an accurate depiction of a double-minded man. I know it's not right. But I'll fix it. God will fix it. Double-minded, a, a term for this word in the Scripture is two-spirited man. A person with two spirits. How many spirits does God give each person? One. So in order to be two-spirited, you've got to be creating another you. You've got to be, you've got to decide, I don't want to be who God made me to be. Do we want to go down that road? 
I don't want to be who God made me to be. <laughs> what year is this? 2022. This is Tuesday, right? Two, 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 all those twos. Good reminder of where we're living right now. I don't want to be who God made me. God gave me choices. God said I can be this or be that. No, he gave you one body. He put one soul in there, and he put one spirit in there. And that spirit, by the way, this is just a side note. I'm, I'm trying to hurry. I'm aware of the time. The spirit, until it is quickened by the Holy Spirit, is dead. It's a, it, you're born with a dead spirit. It says we were dead in trespasses and sins. So that spirit, even though God puts it there, he says, yep, you're born. I give that kind of life. I allow you to be born and, and, and birthed. And you're going to be either a cute little boy or a cute little girl until you're about, I don't know how old, depends on who you are. That was rude. I shouldn't have said that. No, but I made you like that. Little cutie, I made you like that. And I, you're going you're gonna to grow into a, who I've made you to be in the body and in the soul. But that spirit, I want to revive. That spirit is dead in trespasses and sins. David said this also in Psalm 51. Behold, I was... Born into sin, shapen in iniquity. So I, my spirit is dead in trespasses and sins. But the Lord wants to revive it in each one of us. But if I don't, if I don't allow him to revive this spirit that he gave me, then that spirit has the I guess I would say the opportunity. That spirit is susceptible to become something other than what God designed it to be. Hear me, please. I'm going to say this, and I, I'm saying it with all sincerity. A person that does not know what gender they are has allowed their spirit to be overcome by the spirit of this world, and now they are two-spirited. It's a, it's a double-minded person, because whether they know it or not, the mind, the soul of the person, is not what God created it to be. But it's opened itself up, and it's made itself so susceptible to grabbing other things Besides the truth, besides the God-given, God-ordained identity of that person. And they think, uh, maybe I'm this, maybe I'm that. I could be this for a while, and then I'll try that. Maybe I'll, I'm going to do this, see how it feels. It's a person that lacks stability. 
You can go however far back into, into the life of said person, and you'll see, man, this foundation was never really laid that well. And then they tried to build this on top of that. And then they got to this. It's unstable. That life will not stand. Until God enters the picture and revives that spirit, it is a hopeless situation. You were dead in trespasses and sins. You who were dead, I believe is the way the scripture says it. But you hath he quickened. He gave life back into it. He revived it. We use this term a lot, especially when I was growing up in the church. Revival. Revival. We want revival. We need revival. Send revival. You stop and just look at that word for just a minute. To revive means to bring back to life. To revive, vive. Do we have any Espanol speakers here? Vivir is to live. To revivir means to live again. Revival is taking that which is dead and breathing life back into it. And now it is a living thing. I need that in my spirit. Every person needs that in their spirit. <sighs> Let's stand. It's 2022. We all, all, everybody say all of us. We all know people who are living so far away from the person God created them to be and designed them to be. Just let them be an example to you. Pray for them. Let God use them, reveal His truth, and bring His Spirit to them. But let them be an example to you. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. You don't stand on the word of God and you will fall. You don't have a firm foundation and you will fall. Why do you think there always has been and always will be an argument in those who would want to prove or those who would want to disprove the Bible. Because if I can shake that foundation, if I can discredit that foundation, cause question to that foundation, then that person will no longer be able to stand. And I know I made that personal, but yes, the, the, the wicked spirit gets into the heart of a man and it wants to produce its agenda. People, God needs to save every person. No matter how far into sin they've gone, no matter how wicked they look like, He needs to save every person. But when a person gives themselves over so much to an evil, wicked agenda, 
it becomes, how can I combat the thing of God? When I was a kid, we sang, the wise man built his house upon the rock. That's a, that's a parable in the scripture. You build your house on a firm foundation. When the storms of life come and blow against it, it will stand. You don't have a foundation. You build on the sand. The storm of life, the exact same storm, comes against that one and blows it over. You ever wonder why some people... They, they seem like they, you can't phase them. They can go through this, 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 this. And man, it's like they're just getting closer to God. How? Because they're on a firm foundation. But you take somebody that's not on that foundation, just put them through the first one or two of those trials. And oh, I don't know if I can live for God anymore. I don't know if the Bible is true. I don't know if I need to be going to church. I don't know if I should have fellowship with, with Christian people. I just, I don't know anything anymore. Before you know it, that's a house that's falling and destroyed. He is my firm foundation. His word is my firm foundation. I don't know what they needed in 1985, the year that I was born. But I know what they need in 2022. I can tell you with certainty what the world needs today. It needs depth. It needs depth. Ooh, man, we can build a wide base of Christianity all across the globe. Look how wide this base of Christianity is. But when there's no depth, how do we expect that to stand? How do we expect that to make it through a trial? We need depth. Amen. Let's pray. Come on, I'm asking you to speak to the Lord. Jesus, build your firm foundation in my life, I pray it, God. God, I'm opening up my spirit to you right now. I'm opening up my heart to you right now, Jesus. You are Christ alone. You are the one true God. You are the living King. Beside you there is no other. You are holy and you are perfect in all of your ways. You're the creator of the world. You're the giver of life. You're the creator of the universe and all that we see all that we know, all that we can relate to, God, it came from you. There is not one thing that is that did not come from you. God, I know that your word is true. I know that you are who you say you are. I know that you're the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. I know that you're the Father of all. You are the one, the God and Father of all. In you there is life, Jesus. 
In you there is spirit, God. Because you are spirit. You are spirit in nature. You are spirit in action. God, you are wisdom. God, you are time. You are love. All things, God, that I know, it came from you. Jesus, I lean upon you right now, God. You are my firm foundation. Everything that I need, you provide. Every question that I have, you are the answer. You made the answer. You know the way, God, because you are the way. In the name of Jesus. Come on, just let your spirit connect with His for a moment. Come on, let your spirit connect with His. Jesus, You're my life giver. God, You are my reviver. God, You are the one that breathes life into a soul. You're the one that breathes life into a person, God. You bring a spirit that's dead in trespasses and sins. And You quicken it, God, by Your Spirit. You quicken it by the work of Your Spirit. In the name of Jesus, I receive it tonight, God. I receive it tonight, Jesus. I stand upon the truth of Your Word. I stand upon the truth of Your Word. It is my firm foundation. In the name of Jesus, God, I look to Your Word. I look to Your Word for understanding. I look for Your Word in times of trouble, God. In times of question, I look to Your Word, God. I listen for the sound of Your Spirit. Lord, the sound of Your voice. I listen for it, Lord. I need it above anything else. I need to know the sound of Your voice, God, more than I need to know any other sound. You're my keeper. Jesus, You're my sustainer. God, You are my firm foundation. In the name of Jesus. 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 I want you to all, all do this wherever you're standing in your pew. Just scoot back against the seat that's behind you a little bit. Get as far back in that row as you can. Because I want you to do your best to take a step forward. Would you do that? Take a step forward. How come nobody fell? How come nobody did this and off into nothing? Well, because there's ground under you, right? There's carpet there, and underneath that carpet, there's a pad, and underneath that pad, there's cement, and under that cement, there's ground, there's dirt, there's whatever, however far you go down, and you just trust that when I step, I'm not going to go that way. And when I step, I'm going to hit something. How come that's so easy for us to understand in the natural, but so hard for us to understand in the spiritual? 
I'm afraid if I listen to the voice of God and take a step in the direction that He's calling me, I'm afraid I'm going to fall off into oblivion and my spirit is just going to die there. The, the Bible says that the worlds, everything around us, are framed by the Word of God. Now somewhere along the way, he gave a man the idea that you could take that solid mass in a tree, chop it down, cut it up nice into a rectangle, put a bunch of those together, hold them, fasten them with some nails or some glue or something, and before you know it, you have a structure. And if you build that structure correctly, it will withstand elements. And if you take enough fabric, enough material from enough stuff, you can roll it, you can sew it, you can put it together, glue it together, and you know what? That becomes carpet. Woo! That's so spiritual. Carpet. But if you know, you put it out on the ground and you step on it, it feels better to your foot than stepping on the hard ground. Oh, that's so spiritual. And you know what? You could even take soft material, form it and fashion it in about the same size and shape as your foot, put that around your foot, and it feels even better. We call that cushion. That's so spiritual. Cushion, carpet, ground. I'm, I'm telling you, the worlds are framed by the Word of God. And as soon as he decides to say, this works and this doesn't, that works and that doesn't. Let there be this and there's that. No, we think, well, we, we, we've progressed. Now, okay, I'm trying to be done. I know I said this 20 minutes ago. I know what time it is. I'm trying to hurry. We want to say... We as a civilization have progressed so far beyond the primitive, so far beyond whatever was there at day one, whether that was a few thousand years ago or a few million years ago. Look at us now. I don't even need God to say let there be light. I can go hit the light switch and let there be light. <laughs> We, we, it's easy to get tricked into thinking, I don't even need God anymore. I've progressed beyond Him. The problem with that is, everybody do this. Deep breath. You did that now because God lets you. One day, He's not going to let you do that anymore. And when He decides... I'm not letting you do that anymore. Then what? Oh, don't worry, we still got electricity. Don't worry, we still have running water. Don't worry, we still have air conditioning. We still have carpet and cushion and all that good stuff that I like. There is a spiritual man 
inside each one of us. That spiritual man has no concept of carpet, electricity, running water. That spiritual man knows God. And long after we're gone from this earth, that spiritual man still knows God. But either it knows it from a place of close relationship, or it knows it from a horrible distance. But it still knows God. It's the truth of the reality. Jesus, I accept you right now, God. I, I, everything that you say in your word, the truth of your word, I accept it as truth, Lord Jesus. Even what I can't understand, God, even those things that you've not given me complete understanding and revelation on yet, because they're in your word and because I know your word is true, I still believe them. I still hold fast to them, God. I still profess them, Lord Jesus, because I know you are God. Because I know you are God. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. This is the last thing I'm going to say. I think my kids know they're going to have breakfast, lunch, and dinner tomorrow. They probably don't know what it is yet. Why? Because they have faith that all those boxes in the pantry are not just full of air. They trust their provider. I trust my provider, the Lord. Amen. Praise God. God bless you. Greet one another. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.